Well, howdy, Hootathunkers. This is the host of the Hootathunkin podcast, Zeb, coming at you. Episode 136. Uh, howdy, Hootathunkers. Zeb here. It's been a weird month for me. I got married, then immediately had COVID. Had to miss Halloween this year. And then I got my wisdom teeth extracted. <laughs> All within like three weeks or four weeks. It's been a weird ride. Luckily, I've got my friends, pets, and family, mainly my wife, Shannon, to help me through it. So, my apologies if I sound off. My mouth hasn't fully healed. It's such a weird balance between pain meds that are way too strong. <laughs> a juggling act between my addictive personality and the pain meds they gave me. And the fact that it feels like someone has a fish hook in my sinuses and been yanking on it for the last couple days. It's uh, not fun. Anyway, before we get into the main event, I am excited about this episode. Uh, I may not sound the most enthusiastic as normal, but... I am excited. Before we get into the main event, though, this week I recommend you watch Star Trek Prodigy. Now, I, I watch it on Paramount+. Plus. I don't know how you're going to get it, but it's created by Nickelodeon. I think CBS is a part of that. So Paramount+, Plus, it's on there. It's an animated Star Trek show created by Nickelodeon. I didn't expect to like it. I merely clicked on the first tile that popped up in, on Paramount+, Plus while I was recovering from my wisdom teeth extraction surgery i'm still recovering and i hate it but the show is cool it's about a motley crew of young aliens in the delta quadrant they find an abandoned starfleet ship the uss protostar taking control of the ship they must learn to work together as they make their way towards the alpha quadrant and that plot doesn't really capture it very well unlike most star trek shows Prodigy doesn't follow the story of a well-trained Starfleet crew. This is the story of kidnapped orphans forced into a life of manual labor who break free when they discover that starship fleet, uh, or Starfleet ship, the USS Protostar. It's a fun and exciting show, and I love it. It's different from most Star Trek. It's less stuffy. It's more kid-oriented, um, but it's not childish, not childlike. Um, you know, sometimes there are kid shows, shows made for kids that adults also really like that. This is one of them. It's really fun. And in my weird, feverish <laughs> nightmare of recovery, um, I really enjoyed it. So the past couple recommendation segments have been of shows that helped me get through recovering from COVID or recovery from wisdom teeth surgery, whatever. Um, and this one's a good one. Now for the main event. Uh, sea monkeys. Chances are that you have heard of sea monkeys. Perhaps they are the subject of an old dusty memory of yours, a weird cultural phenomenon of an American fad surrounding pets. Sea monkeys won't be the most bizarre American pet fad. You know, that title will always belong to the pet rock, a titan of advertising. <laughs> but the story behind sea monkeys is even more fascinating. You see, sea monkeys were advertised in comic books distributed all across America. The ad showed human-like creatures with antennas, living in castles and raising little sea monkey kids. It depicted the Sea Monkey product as conscious miniature pets that you could keep in a fishbowl, like people, <laughs> with like hairstyles and stuff. But if you were a kid that had your parents help you fill out one of these comic book ads and, and got Sea Monkeys sent to you, then you know the ad was misleading. I remember my dad got me Sea Monkeys when I was a kid. I don't know if he tried it, but it was an opportunity to learn a valuable lesson about advertising. He told me they wouldn't be like the ad showed. He knew they would just be little water bug things, but he got them for me anyway. I followed the instructions, saw the water bugs, and they died very soon after that because I didn't know how to take care of a sea monkey, whatever the heck a sea monkey is. But I, I do remember that. I remember my dad going like, they're not 
it's not i said well, can i get it he's like, it's a dollar sure <laughs> the sea monkey pet promised instant life that could be sent through the mail a pet via u.s postal service amazing i got kids or it got <laughs> i don't got kids it got kids excited because we felt we could create a life form in a fishbowl with a very easy instructions very easy very few easy instructions and some packets that you got in the mail the original 1972 patent came with three packets and instructions packet one was the water conditioner you get a bowl fish bowl filled with water you pour packet number one in there the water conditioner water purifier you added packet number one to get the water ready for the sea monkeys to thrive you wait 24 hours which by the way when you're a child who's been promised little talking sea monkey creatures in your fishbowl 24 hours feels like a freaking eternity. <laughs> anyway, you wait 24 hours after the water con conditioner packet one. Then you put in packet two that supposedly have the eggs in it. Once the 24 hours were up, which felt like a lifetime for a kid who was promised microscopic sea monkey friends, you added packet two and watched as the sea monkeys seemed to hatch out of nowhere. They just sort of popped and appeared. Packet number three had the food. Packet number three, the food was used to, well, feed the sea monkeys. If you were a kid that got sea monkeys, then you did this. You were amazed for about a maximum of probably like one day. Then you went on with your life. Now, there are some people, there is like, I, after looking into this, I have found out there's a very small subgroup of people that love sea monkeys to this day. And like, it's their favorite thing to keep on. And I get that. Just like my wife likes plants. I don't really see it. They're plants. But I, I get, it's cool. It's a living creature. You're cultivating it. I, that is cool. I get that. So to you sea monkey lovers out there, I throw no shade at you. Cool. Keep an aquarium. You know, that's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying most people were like, this is stupid, <laughs> especially when you're a kid and you were promised <laughs> what the advertisement promised. But what are sea monkeys really? Well, they aren't sentient beings with castles and the ability to speak like as the 1992 live action show, The Amazing Live Sea Monkeys, starring Howie Mandel suggested. Yes, there was a show. There was about 11 episodes of it. It's crap. It's horrible. But no, sea monkeys aren't these talking things. They are brine shrimp. Now, those this subspecies is not technically a shrimp. Technically, they're known as Artemia, Artemia salina. They're crustaceans found in salty lakes and ponds in the wild, in, in the real reality. The fossil record shows they've been on this planet for over 100 million years. It's only recently since the you know, uh, sea monkeys came along that they were called sea monkeys. They eat algae and are most widely useful to humans as fish food. So there's tons of them. They get eaten by other fish. Artemia, Artemia are used to feed fish in fish farms all over the world. That's their main job. That's what they have been for humans in a long, for a long time. What sets the Artemia apart from other microscopic crustaceans is how the females lay their eggs. Now, this is the this really is the magic part, the real magic part. It's not actual magic, but it's cool. When their environment is to their liking, the female will lay a thin shelled egg, allowing those offspring to hatch and start their own lives immediately. But when the environment around the pregnant female is less than ideal, it's like harsh, maybe it's fresh water, not salty water, or maybe it's too cold or whatever, she will lay eggs with a hard shell known as a cyst. Inside this hard cyst is an Artemia larva uh, that is fully developed, but kept inside the cyst until the conditions are just right enough for the larva to thrive. So they stay in their eggs, these hard little eggs, until it's good enough for them to, to awake out of the eggs. So I thought that was pretty cool. Once the surrounding water is just salty enough, the Artemia larva will emerge from its cyst egg. So it makes it a very, it's a, you can see the evolutionary benefit here. You know, if it's a tough place to live, they're not going to come out of their shells. 
You see where I'm going with this with the sea monkeys yet? Maybe not. We'll get there. Scientists launched the Apollo 16 and 17 moon missions with these Artemia cyst eggs aboard to see how they would fare in space. The eggs did hatch, but due to the excess excess uh, cosmic radiation and other variables, there were they were born with noticeable mutations, and not many made it back. I think they took them to space again in the late 90s as well, um, with similar results. Artemia nopli is the species best known for their use in fish food. You can order packets of with thousands Artemia nopli nopli <laughs> they're spelled weird. These are like weird scientific names, but this subspecies are Artemia. They're, um, you can buy their cyst eggs through the mail. You'll get thousands of them, and you cultivate them yourselves if you want to, or you can feed your fish. They have such a market for them uh, because the cyst eggs, those little hard eggs, make these little fish food guys super easy to transport, yet still very nutritious for farmed fish. So these little Artemia have been used by humans, super efficient, Although this story of the Artemia being hatched in space and being super efficient way to feed farmed fish is a neat little story and would have been the extent of the Artemia story in their relation to us humans if it wasn't uh, until a dude named Harold von Braunhut saw some Artemia in a pet store one day. Saw a bucket of fish food and was like, hmm, I got an idea. In the year prior, 1956, the ant farm had blown up in popularity, so it was a good time to get into the pet fad market. Harold von Braunhut saw these little shrimp things squiggling around in the fish bowls and had an idea, though he saw it in a fish food bucket. He saw this bucket with fish food Artemia and thought he could make like an aquatic version of the ant farm for kids. You know, why can't the fish food be the fish pets or, you know, versions of it? But the current market for Artemia was for the purpose of feeding the, them to fish. So they weren't designed to live very long, just long enough for the fish to gobble them up. So Harold von Braunhut collaborated with marine biologist Dr. Anthony D'Agostino to develop the proper mix of nutrients and chemicals in dry form that could be added to plain tap water to create an accommodating habitat for the shrimp to thrive. Von Braunhut was granted a patent for this process in July 4th, 1972. So there you go. That's the sea monkey. The animals sold as sea monkeys are claimed to be an artificial breed known as Artemia naios. So that scientist guy, Dr. Anthony D'Agostino, he claims to have bred a new subspecies of Artemia, NYOS, formed by hybridizing different species of Artemia. They are also claimed to live longer and grow bigger than ordinary brine shrimp, so that kids can see them better than the little guys. However, there's no references to these claims outside marketing materials from the manufacturer. D'Agostino claims the Artemia naios is hardier and lives longer than other Artemia species, but there isn't any evidence to support this outside of that marketing. So if it is true, we have no idea how D'Agostino did it, how he crossbred and made this new subspecies of Artemia naios. Are the, and the Artemia naios are the only creature specifically bred to have the lifespan equaling, equaling that of a toy, which I thought was a fun little ditty I heard on a, on a YouTube um, episode or YouTube video. Someone pointed that out. It's like, huh, they bred something not to benefit us nutritionally, us humans nutritionally, like cows. We bred them to, to make more meat and stuff. These things were bred to just be more fun. <laughs> they were initially, well, I guess we do have dogs, but dogs aren't toys. They're pets. You could definitely look at a sea monkey and be like, that's a toy. It's not really a pet. They were initially called Instant Life and sold for 49 cents. But Von Braunhut 
changed the name to Sea Monkeys in 1962. The new name was based on their saltwater habitat, together with the supposed resemblance of the animals' tails to those of monkeys. Although no one else saw it, nobody had any idea why he called these things sea monkeys, but anyway... Sea monkeys were intensely marketed in comic books throughout the 1960s and early 70s using illustrations by the comic book illustrator Joe Orlando. These showed humanoid animals that bear no resemblance to the crustacean. They don't look anything like the actual animal. Many purchasers were disappointed by the dissimilarity and by the short lifespan of the animals, as I was as a kid. Like, these don't look like talking things, and they died after like a day. Von Braunhut is quoted as stating, I think I bought something like 3.2 million pages of comic book advertising a year, and it worked beautifully. (laughs) But the sea monkey pet trick is a big, marketed, sleight of hand trick thing. So it's like a trick. (laughs) It's like a... It's like a magic trick, really. You remember the three packet and instructions I mentioned earlier that every kid who bought these went through? Well, those packets didn't work as advertised. A colony is started by adding the contents of a packet labeled water purifier to a tank of water. This packet contains salt, water, conditioner, and some brine shrimp eggs. Yes, so packet number one actually already has eggs in it. It said it was just just supposed to get the water ready for the eggs. No, already has eggs in it. After 24 hours, uh, this is augmented with the contents of a packet labeled Instant Life Eggs, packet number two, containing more eggs, yeast, borax, soda, salt, some food, and sometimes a dye. So, if not that many sea monkey ha- monkeys hatched with the first packet of eggs, packet number one wasn't supposed to have eggs in it, but did, the hope was that the eggs in packet number two would be more successful, plus that dye is what makes the Artemia visible. So they are typically see-through creatures, so they are near po- impossible to spot without the dye pack in packet number two. Shortly after that, sea monkeys hatch from the eggs that were in water purifier packet number one and growth food containing yeast and spirulina is then added every seven days. The best temperature for hatching is 24 to 27 degrees Celsius. That's like 75 to 81 degrees Fahrenheit. Extra and supplementary pouches can be purchased on the official website, though these are not required for the well-being of the sea monkeys at all. <laughs> you, know, you can buy extra food for them, but it's not going to help them. <laughs> so that first packet labeled water purifier that you're told to put in, wait 24 hours, is what the bulk of the eggs is in. Those eggs hatch during the 24-hour waiting period. They grow, get a little bit larger so kids can see them better. And then when packet number two is added with the dye, those hatched eggs become visible now because they're covered in dye. It appears as if the sea monkeys appear out of nowhere, but in reality, they had been there all night long. Us kids just couldn't see them until the dye was added. As the patent says, it is, quote, the impression of instant life. So the patent says that. It doesn't say that on the ad, uh, but on the patent it does. According to a professor and marine biologist at the University of Mississippi, Artemia usually has a lifespan of two to three months. Still, under ideal home conditions, the brine shrimp live longer. Pet sea monkeys can live for a year, and some have been observed to live up to five years, which I thought was pretty cool. (laughs) Like I said, there's this little cult following of sea monkeys here, and they really like their sea monkeys, and sounds like one of them got a whole colony to live for like five years, which is pretty cool. So, more power to you. Now, so that's the sea monkey trick. That's what's going on here. That's why 
<laughs> That's why a lot of people remember, but also don't remember the sea monkeys. Von Braunhut, though, the guy who made them, there's more to him. He was known for this sort of sleight of hand marketing. He had successfully launched a product known as the Invisible Fish, <laughs> the Invisible Goldfish, which was just a bowl, a fish bowl, fish food, and no fish. <laughs> and the guy could sell stuff, you know what I mean? I mean, if he can sell no fish, he certainly can sell these little magical creatures that can go to space, come back, and still live. So this cultural phenomenon, the sea monkey icon, was created by a perfect storm. You had World War II, and it had ended not too long before, and the babies were booming. You know, the baby boomers, lots of kids. America was full of kids. This made the toy industry grow a lot, all the way out to different kinds of pets, like ant farms and stuff. So you had the pet fads, like the ant farm priming the market for such a product. You had the guy who could sell no fish, literally no fish, to the kids of America. You had these remarkable brine shrimp, just big enough to see with the naked eye and that could be hatched even after taking a trip to the moon, surviving cosmic radiation, and were super efficient, already had, we, we as humans had already been shipping them all over the place for food, fish food, and now there's fishing them or shipping them for different reasons. And you had a very lucrative market of comic book advertising. The kids who read comic books wanted to believe in special stuff like sea monkeys more, even more than most kids. So you're marketing to the right people. You got one of the best <laughs> toy salesmen in the country. You've got these amazing little brine shrimp. You've got the time in America where people are just gobbling this stuff up. Evan Hughes at A the A L sorry. Evan Hughes at theawl.com writes about the cultural impact these little crustaceans have had. Legions of children enchanted by sea monkey lore have been disappointed to see their smelly little specks die in a matter of days. But others have made obsessive websites and written books about their ongoing sea monkey love. Sea monkey eggs went to space with John Glenn in 1998 and came back still good to go. The creatures inspired a bizarre, short-lived live-action series for kids on CBS in the early 1990s, and they were featured on South Park and in a Pixie song. Michael uh, Birnbaum's Empire Pictures bought the film rights to Sea Monkeys in 2006 to develop an animated movie. So, yeah, animated movies about sea monkeys. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? The original ad was drawn by Joe Orlando, as I said earlier, but he, Joe Orlando, would later become the vice president of DC Comics. DC Comics, are the, those are the guys who bring you Superman, Batman, Green, Green Lantern, The Flash, Wonder Woman, all those guys. This is the VP of DC. The VP of DC. He's a, so basically, he's a wonderful, wonderful comic illustrator, and he's the one who drew these like lifelike humanoid like sea creep sea monkey people and that's one of the things that made the ad so good and the over the top and over promising script for the ad though was written by none other than von brown brown hut himself von brown hut um was a champion of novelty crap sold in comic books like x-ray glasses spy pens mini cameras etc and sea monkeys were his biggest success perhaps the thing that made the sea monkeys so well known though was how unspectacular they are. Just as I experienced the massive letdown when I realized sea monkeys aren't walking, talking people in a fishbowl, and so did a lot of other kids in America. For a lot of kids, sea monkeys represent one of the first times we realized that reality isn't nearly as spectacular as our dreams, or as the ads that the dreams sell. Harold von Braunhut was a genius salesman. While all the other toy companies were buying up all the TV ads marketing to the parents of kids, Von Braunhut marketed straight to us kids ourselves. Um, and I 
found I'm I became a victim of this in the 90s long after the sea monkey craze first came out because I love reading old comic books I saw that my dad was like sure I'll get them for you you learn a lesson but this episode this story isn't just one dimensional like the life of any person Harold von Braunhut's life was complicated in addition to being one of the best salesmen marketer of all time he also raced motorcycles as the green hornet he was a manager of magic or magic acts like Henry Lamoth, the man who could dive 60 feet into 12 inches of water. He had patents for x-ray glasses, air-breathing crabs, uh, just-add-water monsters, that invisible goldfish, and of course sea monkeys. He was a complicated dude. And at this point, the story gets weird and dark, close to unbelievable, but I promise this is all true. It was in 1968 when Harold von Braunhut bought a patent for the Cayuga Steel Whip. It was a self-defense weapon marketed marketed towards people who might be faced with a mugging but didn't have a gun. The ads he took out were very similar to the monkey sea monkey ads, with the same layout and forwarding address. They, they like same exact layout. The strangest part of Harold Harold's Kyoga Steel Whip product was that it was included a, included in the ad was a pledge. "Quote: Manufacturer has made a pledge of twenty five dollars to my defense fund." for each one sold to the Aryan Nation supporters. Harold von Braunhut, the inventor of sea monkeys, was a white supremacist. He was a very generous and very active member of the Aryan Nations group. There was a guy, a hate group. <laughs> there was a guy who went by the name Hendrik von Braun, who was a well-decorated member of the group. There is even video evidence of this Hendrik von Braun being awarded something called the Imperial Order of the Black Eagle, and then giving the Heil Hitler salute. It is believed that Hendrik von Braun and Harold von Braunhut are one and the same. Same dude. He had used some money he made selling the Kyoga Agent M5 steel whip to fund the Ku Klux Klan in their goal to acquire illegal firearms, about $12,000 worth. Harold was quoted saying, Hitler wasn't a bad guy, he just had bad press. When the U.S. Attorney's Office summoned him, he brought some sea monkeys with him as like a plea to be like, I'm a toy maker. Take pity on me. But U.S. Attorney's Office summoned him because he gave $12,000 to a group, a hate group that was used that money to buy illegal firearms. An assistant U.S. Attorney Thomas M. Bauer told the Washington Post that in 1985 weapons case against a member of the Ku Klux Klan, Grand Dragon Dale R. Roish, Von Braunhut was prepared to testify that he had lent Rausch or Roish about $12,000 so he could buy 83 firearms. Bauer told the reporter that Von Braunhut was, quote, very pleasant and cooperative and, quote, brought some of his little toys along, including sea monkeys. The general Aryan nation's views uh, view holds that Jewish people are direct. This is not my words. This is what the Aryan nation believes, the, you know, the KKK. Uh, they believe that Jewish people are directly descended uh, from the devil. It seems clear that Von Braunhut, who owned Nazi memorabilia and once said Hitler just got a bad press, signed on to these beliefs. But one has to wonder what brought him to the point nodding along when his friend's friend, Butler, for instance, described Jews as the basilisk of the dec uh, decomposition of our society. Aaron Nation members might have been dismayed to hear that Von Braunhut engaged a law firm called Friedman and Goodman early in his career. They might also have been puzzled 
that his name was listed on early patents as Harold N. Brownhut. The middle initial stands for Nathan. Harold von Brownhut was born and raised Jewish. It's not entirely clear why the Aryan nations didn't cast von Brownhut out after the Washington Post gave a thorough account of his Jewish origins in 1988. Von Brownhut said, I will not make any statements whatsoever on the topic, and when questioned for the article, then stopped returning calls. The article also reported that he was born in Manhattan and that he ha- that he gave an address in heaven, uh, heavily Jewish Brighton Beach, Brooklyn, when he briefly attended Columbia University. He lived in New York City into his mid-80s, into the mid-80s. The Post reported that a Harold Brownhut paid for the upkeep of his parents' graves at a Jewish cemetery in Long Island in 1979, which is hard to square with the fact that Brown Brownhut was helping a Klansman buy 83 guns in 1980. So what's going on here? Perhaps the Aryan nations allowed Von Brownhut to stay in the fold because Butler liked having a wealthy backer as Floyd Cochran, a former spokesman uh, of the group, would later renou- renounce or who, who later announced it, has said Von Brownhut made a lot of money from all those whimsical inventions that kept America laughing. So maybe the KKK kept him around even after he, he was outed as being Jewish because he made, him, they made him, he made them a lot of money. Soon after his ties with the Aryan Brotherhood were made public, though, Von Brownhut lost all ad ties with the American comic book publishers for good reason. Von Brownhut died in 2003, the age of 77. His widow made a deal with a toy company to sell sea monkeys. His widow tried to sue the, that toy company for breach of contract. The toy company said that they weren't using the Artemia Nios breed, so it didn't apply. The case was settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. <laughs> so, how does the man responsible for creating such a fun and colorful life for so many kids also live this life of hate? The inventor of sea monkeys was a Jewish kid who lived in Brooklyn who pledged large portions of his profits to an anti-Semitic hate group, the KKK, the, the Aryan Nations. When confronted with this in an interview, he said in a depressed tone, those reports are all lies. I don't have to defend myself to you or anyone else. Look, I'm done here. He took off his mic and walked away. He was also quoted saying things like, Hate is as natural as love. Hate is just the same coin as love, just on the opposite side. That was as Hendrik von Braun at a KKK rally. In 2002, Harold filed his last patent, the Aquarium Watch, designed to keep sea monkeys inside a capsule on his wrist. And you just got to read some of his patents. I have linked some of them here. For this one, the Aquarium Watch, he wrote, Kids love pets. For some children, pets serve as friends, confidants, items of affection, and items of consolation. For other children, pets take the place of brothers and sisters they never had or will have. One of the easiest types of pets to take care of are fish. Fish will generally live for a long time as long as they are fed regularly and provided with a clean and healthy environment. And this patent, this picture is adorable. It's a watch with like a little dome on it. You can put your little sea monkeys in. I don't know. Such a weird story. The guy who created sea monkeys helped fund the KKK, the Aryan Nations, and was also Jewish and loved his Jewish parents, seemingly. (sighs) That is the story of sea monkeys from the moon to the KKK. Hope you enjoyed Hootathunkers. (laughs) 
have you ever had sea monkeys as a kid? I did. And that's why I thought this story was crazy. Uh, hope you enjoyed and I'll catch you next week. <laughs>